When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Garden State of Hockey podcast. It's been another, I mean, I've said this how many times this year, but another up and down week for the Devils as they ended their homestand poorly, but started a road stretch well for the first time, what feels like all season, uh, as they accrued their first road win since, what, February? Against February 24th. Against? Against the Dallas Stars and the Arizona Coyotes. We'll talk about those games after we talk about the... uh, I wouldn't say embarrassing effort against the Rangers, but definitely against the Canadians at home. My name is Dan Roselle, and I'm joined, as always, by John Fisher. Hello, John. Hello, Dan. It's a slog. We're, we're getting to the end oh, of it yeah. all. I'm um, counting down the games. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, there's not many left for the Devils. I think, what, nine? There are a total of, let's see, nine games remaining to play. Mm-hmm. So they have and, three more games on this trip, and then they get to play a whopping six games in nine days. And if you've been listening to this podcast, obviously you know that things aren't going well. So these nine games are largely inconsequential, but they mm-hmm. do serve as a good audition spot uh, for certain players who are hoping to improve their standing within the organization in preparation for what, again, feels like a wide open roster next year, potentially. Um, and some of those players are making the most of their audition this time around. It'll be interesting to see how they transfer it to camp, but let's talk about the home games first. Oh I think that game against the Rangers honestly was not a bad effort by the devils, but the, the Rangers just got elite goaltending as usual. I, I'm going to disagree there. Okay. In general, this game sucked to watch. Even if you were a neutral fan, like there were barely 40 shots total in this game. Like, Oh, I meant more our, from they they weren't oh, dramatically yeah, for, outplayed perspective. Right. It, it was just a terrible game. <laughs> the, the thing is, is that our hated rivals, and I hate to say this because they're our hated rivals, but if they're the contending team that they, you know, many believe them to be and their record implies that, you know, they actually have a shot at winning the division at this point. They should have stomped all over New Jersey in this game because the Devils just came out and just, you know, struggled to put two things together. Yes, they scored first, thanks to uh, Yegor Sharangovich. Uh, blocking a Jacob Troba exit pass and then just styling and profiling with a backhander past Alexander Georgiev's glove. And then Sharon Govich takes himself out of the game by fighting a guy after a legal hit on Jesper Bokefist. Uh-huh. Apparently hurts himself enough that he was kept out of the game. And um, yeah, this remember, there's no Jack Hughes. Um, <laughs> let's see, I believe Nathan Bastion left the game with an injury too, so he was left out. That was the previous game where Hughes got Oh, you're right. I'm, you are correct. You are correct. So the Devils are shorthanded on top of the fact that they're just looking like they're skating through a preseason style fog. Mm-hmm. This game was also especially annoying because the tens of thousands of uh, Ra- Ranger fans at the game uh, booed every time P.K. Subban touched the puck, something they really didn't do a lot of in their me- previous uh, meeting back in March, which was three weeks ago. Oh, that's uh, for the Sammy that Blaze um, slewfoot, I presume. But they weren't booing about that three weeks prior. So it's well, they like just the... remembered it. They just finally realized that it had happened because they realized yeah, well, that Sammy Blaze was well, a player. It was ter- so. it was ter- well, it's terrible optics. Um, shame, shame on the the fans in blue for acting the way they did. 
Uh, but nevertheless, the, the play on the ice, it was a very sluggish game. And, you know, they, they, the, our hated rivals prevailed and the Devils basically acted like, yeah, this season's over, so whatever. It was the exact opposite of what happened three weeks prior, where the Devils at least said, okay, we're going to chip our way back into the game and, oh, look at this, a goal. Now we're going to build on that. And next thing you know, it's, you know, a five goal second period. Yeah. This one felt like a snow inevitable slog to the finish line, like the Islanders game mm. uh, right before it. it. It just felt like nothing is going to be manufactured here. One of these teams will score by accident. It will likely be against the Devils. And it did. And um, there you go. And then if you wanted some more scoring, but you <laughs> wanted some more pain. We got the Hamburglar, and he's stealing W's from New Jersey. <laughs> I want to. I want to. I want to provide some context. I think the people who matter know this, but I, I feel like because memories tend to be short in in sports, Dan. Mm-hmm. Two months ago, the <laughs> Devils were in Montreal. They kicked the crud out of them, seven to one. Enough that Montreal said we have to fire our coach that that took the team to the Stanley Cup Finals the year prior. <laughs> and then in the in the in a rematch again about three weeks prior to this game that we're about to say uh, technically two and a half if you want to be pedantic about it the devils gave up a last minute goal to montreal got a very fortunate break in overtime and had to win a seven round shootout to beat the montreal canadians that fortunate break is a reminder being the double post that hoffman hit seconds before the game ended right so, knowing that, to see Montreal, who at the went into this game as the 32nd place team in the league, mm-hmm. bossed the Devils around on their home rink. That, yeah, the Devils did score four goals. Yes, A.J. Greer got his first of the season. I think first as a Devil as well. Ty Smith got on the board. It's always nice to see Jesper Bratt score. But it was all for nothing because the, all those goals happened when Montreal had at least a two goal lead mm-hmm. with the exception of Greer, he made it three, two at the time, which Joel Armia made sure that Andrew Hammond was not going to go an entire period without giving up a goal. Hammond was absolutely garbage. John, how many goals above expected do you think he gave up that in game? the game? Oh, okay. Do you want, do you want me to guess or do you want me to look it up? Uh, I think Let I remember the number, but the guess is probably going to be in the ballpark. Just give me a whole number guess. Yeah, it has to be because usually XG is, you know, got decimals and it's like nobody can score 0.43. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me a whole number guess of how many goals do you think the numbers suggest he should have gotten that he did not? Hammond should have only given up about three goals. Mm -hmm. And I just called it up at natural statric. And in all situations, I I was predicting something like 2.5 XGA (laughs) because, again, Montreal played well in this game against the Devils. Yeah. Like they had runs in that game. Yeah. Uh, Despite that the devils were tilting the ice Montreal, when they hit back, they hit back hard. Um, 2.5. You were guessing. And it it turned out to be (laughs) 3.09 and they gave up seven. They lost seven to four, right? Seven to four Dawes was in the net for the final one. Yeah. But there's your three goals right there. (laughs) But Dan, there's that three goal difference now. Yeah. And exactly. You already gave it up six at this point. And this is like, a this is the same feeling I got with the Edmonton loss where it was apparent that the goaltender was not ha- going to have a good night. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just, Oh, it was just one bad shot or one bad moment. Oh no. Hammond was getting torn up by the immortal 
uh, you know, Jake Evans and Joel Armia and, and Chris Weidman. Uh, Chris Weidman, I think, was no, he, it was Christian Dvorak's goal literally on the next shift that sent him. Uh, sent they him got the all bench. goals by defensemen, basically. Well, uh, Armia is <laughs> a forward, but yes. well, yeah, and, but like beyond and, that, and I, the and first I left, couple. I left out Suzuki and Caulfield, who actually are good players and players I respect and players yeah, okay, that people well. should respect and our forwards. But the point is, is that it's not like Montreal had, you know, like Patrice Bergeron, Brad Marchand, you know, and David Pasternak or some type of quasi perfection line, you know, just crushing the devils here. It was like, here's the 32nd place team in the league showing up, showing that they could be as good as the 23rd place team in the league. And, you know, Jake Allen, he's hardly, you know, a superstar as well, but you know, you don't need to, you don't need him to be good when Andrew Hammond is, as you said, giving away W's like he's the grimace. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, like the Edmonton game, why was he not pulled earlier? What was he doing? What was he doing so well that required him to go 41 minutes? I don't like that is baffling to me still with the timing of timeouts and like when goalies are pulled this year has been so strange. It's been completely too late almost every time. Right. So the devils lost all four games of their homestand. They cool. lost them in very different ways that were des- that were for lack of a better word, depressing it. You know, you got the four goal botchery. You've got a loss to Corey Schneider. You've mm-hmm. got that miserable performance against some uh, quasi quasi hateful uh, away crowd against our hated rivals. And, and then you got a fat L to some Uber drivers. Yeah, you got a fat, you gave up seven goals to Montreal. And every and, and some some of the people matter say, oh, how come you're so negative about this team? Gee, I wonder why. They're well, at, at the time they were in 30th and just four points ahead of Montreal. And last. honestly, from a from a tanking perspective, that's the that's the kind of loss you take and you say, well, we helped our cause. And then if that was the cause, then they promptly went on the road and completely uh, destroyed their own cause because the next two games they actually played pretty well and not only that but the the dallas game was an indication of what can happen when you are allowed to rely on your goalie to get you a win that's yeah the, nico does was the reason they won that game yeah he played an excellent excellent game i know we use the phrase you know getting goalied well you know if you're wondering what does it look like when the devils do it well that game was was that funnily mm-hmm. enough five on five i will say that this game was actually similar to the game against our hated rivals where both teams weren't exactly, you know, giving their best efforts. It was, and the game had a lot of calls in it too, a lot of penalties uh, mm-hmm. against the Devils, by the way. Um, nevertheless, um, you know, for this game, Dallas, you know, mind you, Dallas is fighting for their playoff lives. Like they own, they own the final wild card spot in the West. You know, Las and Vegas, Vegas is right getting back him. Mark Stone. They're, They're getting, getting back a bunch Mark Stone. Of Vancouver, Vancouver, who by the way has the best goaltending tandem at five on five in the league. They're not that far back. So, you know, you're playing against the Devils at home. Hey, Dallas, you want to be a playoff team? You need to beat the 30th place New Jersey Devils. Mm-hmm. And they came out well in the first period, but from the second period onward, it was almost like they just lost their mojo somewhere. I, I know the head coach Rick Bonus. Uh, called it the most disappointing performance of the season. And yeah, I believe it. Uh, you're, it's a one, it's, it's a one nothing game going into the third period in favor of the stars. Cause they did score a power play goal out of the um, technically six that they had five. One was like 10, like three seconds. So it's five power plays. And then in the third period, New Jersey's like, Oh, Hey, we can play hockey. Oh, Hey, here's a, t- here's an equalizer. Oh, Hey, 
Final minute of the game. I'm Nico Heischer. <laughs> I'm going to work over Jamie Ben and Tyler Seguin and uh, really make you pay for having Ryan Sutter get lost on the ice and Vladislav and Amestikov just ask, just go Miles Wood on defense. Oh like, man, that was an amazing play by Heischer. He took it completely himself. The announcers were baffled. He uh, really just went around that zone and did Jack Hughes things, honestly. Oh, um, yeah. He yeah. did the things that people will have to do with the fact that Hughes is absent. He sure has been really, really stepping up in the meantime. Certainly. And in this game, um, and on that play, by the way, I've got a big, big, very detailed post breaking that whole play down because it was also a great example of how uh, screens, not screens in front of the goaltender, but like basketball style screens can really help you out in hockey because he sure was allowed to do all those things because Fabian Zetterlund effectively created a, a good screen. Jaeger Sharon Grovich created a fantastic one and uh, Kevin Ball even took out the ref to help make sure that he sure could go around the net. Um, by the way, speaking of, well, we'll I'll use this as a jumping off point. Uh, Zetterlund and Ball were called up. Mm-hmm. Um, Ball, you know, Siegenthaler is out for the rest of the season with a broken hand. So they needed to call up Ball on an emergency basis. He actually played very well in Dallas. Um, I would say it was his best performance in his young career so far as a devil. And Zetterlund got some time with Mr. Heischer. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, he got two assists in the Dallas game. Um, did he get actually he got a goal and an assist in the Arizona game? Yeah, that's right. So obviously the points are always going to help. But the fact is, is like he's legitimately doing good things off the puck, which is what you need. It's it's the sort of thing where guys like Zaka or um, Johnson or Tatar are not always the best at sometimes mm-hmm. but but Zetterlund you know on that play where he sure scored like he's bodying up and annoying the living uh snot out of Miro Heskainen I know some of the people who matter say the devils are too small well you know a five you could be five foot eleven and swole um and you know you just need to get in somebody's head like you just need to get their attention and just get in their way and you know Heskainen's a big boy it's what six four 220 pounds you know, how do you make sure that Heskinen wasn't going to intervene on Heischer? Because Zetterlund was literally annoying him the entire time to the point where Heskinen didn't even get near Heischer on the play, which was fantastic. Um, that's the Zetterlund, kind of stuff they need. Is, he's also the kind of player who he's benefited so much from being part of the successful Utica run. He was such yes. a big part of it that you can see the places where that confidence carries over. Um, just being part of that successful of a team for a whole season teaches you a lot. It teaches you the ways that your game translates. And obviously he's found a lot of benefit from that. So good to see that that's working out and that those, um, you know, the success of Utica is not being completely you know lost in New Jersey. No, definitely not. I mean, personally, I wasn't a huge fan of the ball called up because I figured, look, we've already seen enough of Kevin ball. Can we finally see Nikita Akatyuk or Riley Walsh, you know, mm-hmm. show us a different defenseman, but ball certainly has made, you know, did his, did a really good job in the Dallas game. And um, statistically was not as good in the Arizona game. Um, mm-hmm. He was like one of the few players that the, uh, you know, the Arizona Coyotes enjoyed playing against. Um, it was sort of the inverse of the Dallas game where Hamilton and ball had awesome nights. Um, weirdly enough, Mercer and Brett got killed in five on five in both games, but mm-hmm. you'll take it, 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 it for the, for the W um, nevertheless, that Arizona game, I would say was an even better performance for the devils. Um, you know, they outshot the, you know, the coyotes by 10 in five on five chances were heavily in the, in the devil's favor, even though attempts were even, um, I do wish the power play was better. I think one of the, 
Fun fact, Dan, the Devils did not give did not score a power play goal in any of these games that we're talking about. They're <laughs> oh for what fifteen in their last four games or something like that. Not they only, had something not like only, five or six opportunities against the Coyotes. Not only that, the Devils have the worst power play conversion rate on the road this entire season. So whether I don't know what why because like there's not really much of a home ice advantage in special teams. Like you have set units. It's not like you're matching up guys particularly like you would in five on five. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Mark Recchi, your system sucks. Um, I will say against Arizona, however, they did get 10 shots on net. Jesper Brock came like an inch from scoring a goal on a power play. Yep. And um, hey, no shorthanded shots against. Always, a, always a positive. I mean, at this point, the more power play goals they score, the more likely it is that Recchi comes back. So if they don't score another one the rest of the season, I'm fine with that. They will probably score. There's nine games left. They can't go Uh, uh, over all nine games. Are you sure about that? That would be really hard to do. They also have Seattle coming up. John, you have only to believe if you wish to achieve with this team. Seattle's goaltending is about as bad as the Devils this season. (laughs) John, I feel like you're starting to not believe in how bad this power play actually is. Dan, I've written a lot of words about this power play. <laughs> so then you, you should not know. Need, you do not need to convince me that the power that Mark Recchi is bad at his job. And that no amount of bad goalkeeping can stop the immovable object that is the devil's puck movement on the power play, or really zone entry, or really shot selection, any dimension of the yeah. power play you want to yeah. kind of bring up here is relevant yeah. because they're all terrible. Exactly. I mean, again, you know, the complaint is, oh, they need a sniper. They need a guy. No, they need to have a power play structure where, you know, whether it's Hamilton, Severson, Subban, um, Kevin Ball at this point, do not shoot 60 footers on a, in a five on four situation. Just please abandon the drop pass forever. Right. But anyway, but let's talk about some positives here. Okay. Just like Nico Dawes was very good in Dallas to secure the win. He was also really good in Arizona. Mm-hmm. You know, going back to your XG question, not that the Coyotes ramped it up, but with all the power plays in this game, you know, and there was a point where the game was briefly tied. You know, it was a close game on the scoreboard for, for most of the game until, yeah. you know, the Devils for a change hit back on a quick fire double instead of what Montreal did where they buried them for like their 18th of the season or something. Yep. Um, but no, the Devils, you know, Dawes made a lot of important saves even in the third period to make sure that, you know, Arizona would not sniff their way back into this game mm-hmm. um, and credit to Dawes for doing that. I mean, it does, it may not seem like that huge. Oh, he stopped 19 out of 21 shots, but at the same time, you can't have it both ways. You can't say the devil's goaltending is a tire fire and then not praise them when it's not on fire. It's oh yeah, a, I mean, we're willing, to take, we're willing yeah. to take anything at this point. A, a good night is a good night. That's worth noting in a season that's had so many bad ones. Certainly. And on top of that, I, I will further add that uh, you got some other great performances in the Arizona game. Zetterlund got his first NHL goal mm-hmm. where Nico salvaged a pass to his skates by Jaeger Sharangovich. Not necessarily Sharangovich's fault. It was just one of those, like the timing was literally a second off, but Physics helped. Phil Kessel not stepping up in the neutral zone helped. And uh, nice little bit of skill from Nico there too. Oh yeah. Well, again, he's he's really talented. The haters and losers who are dis—he's sure back in November should be quiet right now. Yep. Uh, very very quiet. Uh, the fourth line for the Devils actually played really well. They were awful in Dallas, but they actually were an asset for the minimal amount of time that they got in the game. And Bastion returned to the ice in Arizona's, which is good. It means. 
you know, you don't have to suffer the amazing Geertsen experience. Yeah, exactly. Um, let's see. Uh, other things I really liked from that game, Quackenden now looks more like an actual decent player. Mm-hmm. This was also true in the Dallas game. I think I think it's now becoming clear that his wrist really was bothering him in the past. So, so then, like, this is fitting the common theme of a lot of what happened to the Devils this year. There were a lot of injuries, and for some reason, a lot of people attempting to play through them. Why? Yeah, and that's, again, I get it that... You know, it's big in hockey and in sports and to be honest, in work culture, you know, like, oh, you know, I got the sniffles. I'll work through it. I got a headache. I'll do work through it. Well, like, Again, clearly it's making you ineffective. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't mind it if you were playing well, you know, despite being hurt. Like, I'm sure he sure has a whole bunch of bruises and aches and pains, but he's playing well. So it's OK. Mm-hmm. If, if you, This is my big beef with the whole Blackwood stuff, you know, uh, who, by the way, is skating now. We could see a return of Blackwood before the end of the season. Um, you know, Lindy Ruff, when they announced he was out, going to be out for a while, he said, oh, you know, we tried lightning his load. We try, you know, you know, managing his injury. It's like, but Blackwood has been terrible. So why do you keep playing this guy who's clearly not doing well? And he's not hundred percent and he's playing less than hundred percent. Help me, help me with the logic here of playing. Yeah. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's so weird that this season there's so many players coming back from injury either early or they're just saying that they've been playing with injury. It just, it feels strange that they have all these people they can call up from a team that's having a very successful season and they just took so long to do it. I don't know why they held people in the lineup injured for so long. Yeah. I mean, to be, again, part of the problem is like every team has that sin to a degree. I'll, I, I can't think of a better term than that. Um, because it is a bit cruel to say, Hey, you're hurt, but I want you to play because you're, you're kind of expected to, I get it. Uh, but at the same time, as you said, if you're, if your season is lost and, and it's clear that you're not playing to your, to the best of your abilities, because of you need, you need time off. You need to recover. You need to get healthier. You need to heal your bone, heal your muscle, uh, mm-hmm. rehab your muscle, uh, take the time. You're t- it's not like, it's not like you're going to make the playoffs anyway. It's not like, you're that essential to the cause that is already lost. Uh, I wouldn't be super shocked if we see like changes in the medical staff. I got to think coaching has to be playing a role in this too. I mean, you know, I understand players keep saying, I want to play, I want to play, I want to play, but ultimately the decisions of who's in the lineup, who's on the active roster, who gets dressed for games, that's a coaching decision. Like Mm -hmm. that's ultimately at the hands of the coach. And I understand the coach gets, you know, maybe gets the thumbs up from the medical staff, but Again, if you and I, non-medical experts, can see on the ice that Quackenden was really bad, and if you, if you as the coach know his wrist has been bothering him, you know, let's put two and two together here, guys. You know, I, I just don't get it. But credit to him for, for coming back and mm-hmm. playing decently in Arizona. Uh, obviously, Sharon Govich, he scored two very nice consolation goals to boost up that score. Obviously, Tatar and Boakfist, you know, really broke the game wide open after the equalizer from uh, Schmaltz on the power play. Um, you know, so, I mean, the Devils did hit back for a change when bad, a bad thing like an equalizer happened. They, they did well in response to giving up a goal early on. So, ultimately, the Arizona game was a good performance and at least gives me the, gives me the good feeling that the Devils are truly not the worst team in hockey, which is mm-hmm. not a feeling I was super confident in after the Montreal loss. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's something that you love to see the new additions coming through at this point of the season. Again, the, the games are largely meaningless in terms of the actual results, but 
at least we're seeing the process that had Utica be successful. At least we're seeing why those players did so well. There's that's good. Yeah, we want that. We don't want any more stop gaps. And it's important for Zetterlund in particular, because again, he's at a contract at the end of the season. So Mm -hmm. he's not just playing for an opportunity at the NHL in the future. He is playing for a contract and, you know, I don't know how much he loves playing in North America. You know, if his agent comes by and says, Oh, someone in the SHL was willing to give you a lot of money to go back home. You know, that's a legitimate possibility. So go out there, Zetterlund play well and let you let Mr. Fitzgerald give you a big bag of money with a dollar sign on it. And you know, you're secured. Now I will say, Dan, the next few games, you know, the devils have won two road games. Yeah. I'm not confident they're going to win a third in a row. Well, tomorrow they're facing the league leading Colorado avalanche. Yes. Hmm. The devils do have a win (laughs) over them this season. However, Colorado is really good. And they also have one of the best home records in the league. (laughs) Like in the entire league. Like I think technically Florida has a slightly better one, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I, anyone going to be expecting a comeback from three nothing down to win five three? As great as that would be, as much as I would enjoy that person on a personal and a and a soulful existential level, mm-hmm. uh, I would not put money on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, John, I, I wanted to play a game with you first uh, oh. before we go into the uh, rest of the road trip because uh, you mentioned that Zetterlund is trying to play his way into a contract uh, for the sake of having something to speculate about i want to play the game of devil or not devil Mm. um i'm gonna give you the list of pending restricted or unrestricted free agents and you're gonna tell me whether or not they're going to be devils next season how about that that's a good game uh hit hit me dan all right so let's start with the one you talked about it's fabian zetterlund has he earned his way to another contract yes Mm -hmm. um yeah absolutely yeah i'd agree with that too um uh, he's, there's no reason not to bring him back, especially for what he did in Utica. I, I don't mm-hmm. want to do analysis on every single person, but th- he's someone I felt like mentioning, particularly because his audition has been so short. Uh, let, let's move up the tier list here. Uh, Jesper Boquist, he's been with the team a little bit longer. I would give him a Quokkanen style, maybe a cheaper than Quokkanen style deal, but he gets resigned. Yeah, he's been uh, showing himself pretty well this last stretch too. Uh, definitely putting more goals in the back and that has been helpful for him. Yeah, just needs to get just oh, a little stronger and get a little faster and a little more confident, and he'll, he'll stick around. Yep. So uh, our group of three coming up, and you can do them in any order you want. It's Brat Wood and uh, Zaka. Well, Brad is going to become a very rich man very, very soon. I mean, to be fair, he's making, like, if I look at his salary briefly here. Um, he's you know, at three, uh, shot- 2.7, 2. Well, 2.75. That's his, that's his cap hit. His salary oh, yeah. for the season is 3.45 million. So okay. he's, he's already, he's already in the 0.1%, but he's going to be even higher up in the future and he deserves it. So give him the money. No question there. Yep. Zaka trade me. Yep. And, and I'm going to, I'm going to make a lot of fans unhappy with me. Well, maybe not a lot of fans, but he, he has his fans. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the devils need to move on from miles wood. Okay. I don't, I don't think he has much of future. We're not talking about some young gun here. Like Zaka and Wood are 25 and 26 respectively. I know what is feels... the second longest tenure devil? The second, like in terms of games played? In terms of length or of time eight. on the devils. I know Severson's the longest. Yeah, Wood would be second, wouldn't he? It might actually be Wood. It um, has to be because it, it, no one else was on the team. Zaka, after that, he... Zaka, Zaka played on the team almost right after. Like, actually, no, I take it back. It actually is technically Zaka. Oh, it because, is? Because because Zaka had to 
Actually, no, I take it back. I take it back. Zaka and Wood made their NHL debuts in one game in 25-16. At the, I want to say almost in the same game. Oh, but with the organization, Wood was drafted beforehand, right? Oh, yeah. Wood, Wood was drafted in 2013. So he's yeah, so he's he the second longest tenured member of the organization behind Severson. Yeah, so. That's crazy. Okay. But if he hasn't manifested anything by now, I don't disagree with you. I just think he had yeah. a really unfortunate injury this year. Yeah, but uh, even, timing wise. Yeah, but even at his quote unquote best, we're still talking about a bottom six winger here. Like I think you should not be paying those guys a lot of money to stick around. And with how much people talk about it, it seems inevitable that he's gonna go to Boston for some reason. <laughs> I know I he feel, went to college there, people. We all know. I, I feel like Edmonton would be a better fit, or at least they would have been before they got Evander Kane, but whatever. Eh, either way. All right. So that's the uh group of three, just from the forwards perspective. I also want to talk about one name that's been floated around. Um, in terms of potentially not being a devil next year. Uh, they both have contracts. I don't think Tatar is going anywhere, but what about Johnson? Does he make it to next season as a devil or Johnson? I think one of them goes. Okay. One of them, I, they'd have to go not, via trade or because yeah. they're not getting bought out. Yeah, they're, they're, they're going to get traded. Um, I'll even give you a hotter take. Ooh. The devil should absolutely be moving on from Michael McLeod. Okay. I know we're talking about a fourth line center here, but he literally has not improved in like the last three seasons. <laughs> well, that all being said, they, I'm, I'm just focusing more on people that they can more easily move on from at this. Oh point. yeah. Yeah. You can, you could sell another team about a Tatar or a Johnson, maybe not as high as you might expect, but yeah. they'll know who he is. Whereas if you go to another team that says Michael McLeod, they're just gonna be like, who, not who, but why come on, man, <laughs> you're going to offer me your fourth line center 30th place. Like what uh, do you want? Future <laughs> considerations or what's the deal? Well, well, can you take John Gillis away? Uh. Oh, God. Uh, okay, so let's go there. Um, so one of Janssen and Tatar doesn't stay on the team. But again, this exercise is done basically to say which spots are going to open up for next year. Um, mm. A couple of UFA spots also potentially opening up and likely opening up. Uh, AJ Greer and Jimmy VC. I could see Greer being talked back to go going back to Utica because he mm-hmm. strikes me as those quad A players, like somebody who's like really good for your AHL team. And you just have to, you just have to give him an NHL contract to like, you know, stick around. So, and maybe give him a call up once in a while, similar to like Brian O'Neill or Brian Gibbons, Brian Gibbons, John, Sebastian D, you know, it's something that lots of teams do chase the Leo. Well, before all the uh, other stuff, Reed Boucher. Uh, No, that was a different case. That was was different. Well, the devil's drafted him. Well, they did, but he's also like quad A for the well, most part. He is part of now, his yeah. But the the devil. Well, no, tried. he's nothing now. <laughs> well, yeah. Anyway, um, let me answer your other question, Jimmy VC. Yeah, I think the Devils move on from him. Mm-hmm. I, I I think I think they see, like him, but they're sad to move on. I think it's a case of he, what timeline does he fit here? We're talking about a twenty not twenty eight, soon to be twenty nine year old depth winger. Like the Devils have those guys, you have the guys that can fill in those spots right now if they wanted to, mm. or they can go get another PTO. Cause again, VC was brought in off the streets as a PTO. He wasn't, um, you know, like a July 1st signing or anything like that. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. they can, they can freely let him go. And then preseason comes if they feel like they need a veteran forward, just to challenge some guys in, in camp, you know, they, they can find another guy like VC. So. And which which guys would they be challenging realistically? Holtz, you have to think, is going to be in competition for one of those forward spots. Uh, Zetterlund as well. Um, who else? I would, I would think if they bring back Greer, he would be one of them. Mm-hmm. I want to say he will push Bastion to be a little bit better than, than he could be. Because well, in our ba- scenario, one of Tatar or Johnson is gone. Wood mm-hmm. is gone. Zaka's gone. 
Um, and then VZ and Greer, one of them stays. So we have a lot right. of spots we can potentially yeah, fill here. Right, but I'm also, yeah, in terms of other guys from Utica, other prospects in the that are signed in the system, mm-hmm. you, this could include Tyce Thompson. It could include Nolan mm-hmm. Foote. It could include, this is a super long shot, um, Brian Halonen. If mm-hmm. they re, you know, if he somehow blows up real big, Graham Clark. I think Arn Talvite, unfortunately, I think he's kind of hit his peak at this point. He's 23 already. Mm-hmm. But nevertheless, like those are the guys that you're going to be pushing on, you know, you, you know, for the depth spots. Cause again, VC, if you're thinking about replacing VC, you're not looking at like Holtz should be replacing him. Like, yeah. you know, Holtz needs to play in a more prominent position with better players. We're talking about who can play a solid 10 to 12 minutes a night and maybe help out on, on the penalty kill. Yeah. And then um, we have a couple of goalies that we need to discuss here. Uh, we're going to move on to that. Discard. Uh, discard them all. We have Mackenzie Blackwood and Jonathan Bernier on injured oh. reserve, and they're not going anywhere, first of all. They have contracts no. for next year. And they were supposed to be the tandem this year and probably will end up being the starting tandem next year, given that Bernier doesn't just retire. But um, in terms of the other goalies the Devils have pending, it's Gillies, it's Hammond. Neither of them should be anywhere near this roster. No. Next year, and they will not be. No. Done. The only, the only other signed goalie is Dawes. And uh, I think Schmidt has a contract too, but yeah, he's on an ELC as well, but he's also 21. Like I also wouldn't hate the combination of, you know, good Blackwood and Dawes. That doesn't seem that terrible. No, that's fine. I, I think it's more important that in addition to getting rid of Gillis and Hammond, get a new goalie coach. It cannot yeah. be Dave Rogalski. It no. can't be. It literally cannot be. If he comes back, it is clear proof that this organization does not respect results. Um, yeah, that, that's an easy choice to make there. But okay, so the goal is fine. We have one player that we know is not going to be back with the organization, PK Subban. At this, uh, you know, at the time around the deadline, Fitzgerald made it pretty clear that the Devils were not planning to offer him any sort of extension. So I'm no, going to go already, with the, They had the uh, conversation of um, we like you, but not enough to keep you. Yeah, and so they they shouldn't. First of all, he makes an inordinate amount of money, but. Um, That'll be off the books next year. They have two other UFA defensemen. Uh, I guess he's listed as a defenseman for some reason, but I'm not. They're not bringing. He doesn't back play here, so normally. That's not happening. No, um, they should. Colton White. No, I, I, I. As much as the only way I could see you keep Colton White is similarly to why you would keep um, AJ Greer. Like he's a quad A player. Like again, the Devils. I'm sorry, the Utica Blue Line is still mm-hmm. very young. Like if you quickly look at Cap Friendly, they have six guys listed being signed, five of which are currently with Utica. Mm-hmm. Walsh, Vukajevic, Okatyuk, Russo, Grolo. Only Russo is the only guy over the age of 20, 23. So White would be like the second guy uh, to do that. Now, if you figure if the Devils can get bring in Muka Madulin over, which that's going to depend on visa issues and, and uh, timing. You know, war. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, the, the war. I don't know. Ufa... I have to look at a map. Is Ufa even anywhere near this place? Ufa? Uh, yeah. I don't know. As I quickly check, Ufa. That does not help me. This does not help me, uh, map. It, I feel like it's on the, um, yeah, it, it's, it's on the, it's in the middle of Russia. It's on the, it's far oh. away from any conflict. Okay, so it's probably, yeah, it's actually close to Kazakhstan or Uzbekistan. So if, if, yeah. if needed, they can, make the long trip down to, you know, catch a plane or they can go further uh, east to like Omsk or Novosibirsk or mm-hmm. Um, 
not that I have a lot of knowledge of Russian air airports, nor whether or not they have the ability to fly all the way across. I'm sure there's going to be transfers and all that fun stuff. The point is, is I'm working on the assumption that they're probably going to want Muka Madulin in Utica next season. Yeah, that, that's so, the guess. So that's another young defenseman. Because again, he's only 20 right now. So mm-hmm. I could see the Devils bringing White back. And again, like AJ Gurr, you have to give him an NHL contract to like, you know, make it worth his while knowing with the note, with the knowledge that you're likely going to play in the AHL and, you know, he'll be a call-up guy per other than that, that would be the only reason why he could come back. Like, I don't think he's good enough to play in the NHL regularly. I don't think he played nearly as well as some people think he does. Like, yeah, you don't notice him, but he's also not doing anything positive either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm fine with that. I, I think yeah. I could definitely live with that, but yeah, that's a, a little game before I wanted to, you know, just to get an idea of what we're talking about, we mentioned all these potential spots opening up for next year. Um, but yeah, now that we've done that, continue on with the daunting upcoming schedule in which the Devils will likely lose a lot. Well, uh, Colorado's the daunting game. Mm-hmm. Saturday is Saturday night will be the first ever game in Seattle for the New Jersey Devils. Um, but remember, remember way back in October when. Jeremy Lazan hit Jack Hughes. And oh, do I remember? Gonna... I was there. You were there. Yeah, I know we were there. Well, <laughs> well neither of those players are going to be in this game as Lazan's on a different team and Hughes is injured. Uh, Bastion should be back for that one. So that's going to be fun. I uh, can't wait for the trivia video for him. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I'm sure it's going to be as epic as the video at the Rock that celebrated Jesper Bokvist hitting 10 points. That, oh, that was uh, something. Anyway, so. Oh, no. <laughs> Did that actually happen? It was like maybe 12 points, not 10, but oh they were, they were celebrating a career high for him. And it's like, you're Jesper Vokvist. What career? Like you haven't <laughs> played in the NHL for a full season, I don't think. So what are we doing here? What um, about Dawson Mercer's career high this year? He's a rookie. He can't have a career exactly. high. Exactly. What's everything the point? he does is a everything he does is a career high. Well, so that's who like, cares? That's, that's like getting a highlight video for a field goal kicker. What's gonna that's... be the highlight? It's good. Yes, it's good. It's good. You get a little rush every time. It's amazing. Uh, well, anyway, the Devils will be in Seattle. So if, if you're an adherent to Sherman Abrams, this is kind of your la- the Devils last chance to uh, make themselves possible to fall further in the standings. Because, yep. yes, they lost to Montreal and they were actually getting really close to the bottom. But beating Dallas helped them. Beating Arizona really helped them. But it helped the hard- quotes. And, and harsh reality is that Montreal, Seattle, and Arizona are also really crummy hockey teams, so they don't win a lot anyway. So, yeah. anyway, but I just I, want to, I, if they're going to finish like not last, I just want them to finish ahead of Philly. I don't care what else happens. Well, then you want them to beat Seattle, because yes. uh, that's a really good opportunity to get a W. And then the road trip will end next Monday in Las Vegas, where the Devils can have an, an opportunity to do some real spoiling. Uh, they've already. Um, uh, what's the word I want to say here? Put a finger in the soup of the Dallas Stars. Uh, you know they could they they could you know dip some hair in there too because Vegas as I'm as we're recording this, Dallas still has a three uh, point lead. <laughs> Dallas has a three point lead uh, on Vegas right now with a game in hand on Vegas. So Las Vegas needs to do some winning really really soon yeah. if they want to get back into this uh, wild card picture here. So yeah, having stone um, back should help with that too. Absolutely, and then. Once that starts, uh, the Devils will be off for two days, and then you're literally playing six games in nine nights. I'll just quickly run through it because it's literally the end of the season. At home to Buffalo, 
at home to Carolina for a 12:30 game at home on a sun, the final Sunday of the season against Detroit at 1 PM at Ottawa under the 26th. And then a back to back at the end at Carolina on the 28th fan appreciation night is on Friday, the 29th against Detroit. That's I was wondering, I, I wondered how long it had been since they played Carolina or Detroit. And it turns out that all their games against them are right in the stretch. So um, looking at this yesterday, I was kind of baffled that they had played so few games against them, but here they all are. I just yeah. don't remember hearing the players on Detroit's name all that off or Detroit's team all that often. I don't remember hearing um, or remember seeing a lot of the Carolina players. And that's because the devils haven't really played either of those teams that much this year. They played no. them each once. Well, they, they played Carolina twice in January. Twice. They, they okay. beat them. They beat, they beat up on Jack LaFontaine seven, four on, on the right. 22nd. Mm-hmm. And then they lost two, one in a respectable game on the 29th. See, that's a respectable loss. Yeah. It was. They they last played Detroit on the 18th of December and lost five to two in their building. So yeah. that was back in the one win month of the, I'm sorry, the two win month. Actually, no, the three win month of December. I, I know how to count everybody. The point is it was a bad month. And yeah. that was another loss among the many in that month. Yeah. And it was still a while ago. So I can understand the feeling of like, I don't remember these opponents. And it's like, oh yes, that's right too. Also the last time the Devils played Buffalo was back on the, 29th of december as well so that's yeah. another that's another return of oh hey it's been a while oh, hey these guys are in the league too that's right that's right yeah. which hey. is really how people probably are starting to feel about the devils but anyway that being said um we'll catch you on the next episode of garden state of hockey thank you for listening as usual we continue on with the slog towards the end of the season uh what new names will emerge as candidates for next year's team well hopefully we ran through a bunch of them today for you so without any further ado Thank you for listening, and let's go Devils. Go Devils.